0: Bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. The New American Daily takes the most important news stories of the day. We get rid of the propaganda and we bring you the truth. So if you enjoy this show, please share these episodes with others. Now, entirely peaceful pro-life activists from Tennessee are facing years in prison. Also, Elon Musk's company, Neuralink, has implanted a computer chip in a human head. We'll look at the possible benefits as well as the dangers of this kind of technology. And later in the show, John Birch Society researcher Peter Rykowski joins us to talk about the con-con trouble DeSantis is stirring up down in Florida. We have all that coming up. But first, not that we need it, but we have more evidence that the current White House administration is the most subversive and un-American in the history of this country. Yesterday, the whistleblower group Empower Oversight released a report revealing that the Biden administration is working to ban private gun sales. The White House directed the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the ATF, to draft a document justifying such a ban. The ATF then drafted a 1,300-page document that supposedly does just that. Empower Oversight learned from two sources in the ATF that the proposed rule would ban private firearm sales from one citizen to another by requiring background checks. The proposed ban is supposedly intended to curb gun violence and therefore protect American citizens. But there's zero collaborative evidence supporting the idea that this administration cares about the safety of Americans. In fact, everything points to the contrary. In addition to its support of groups that discredit and prevent effective policing and actions indicating that it's spoiling for a fight with a nuclear-armed Russia, this administration has invited through open borders and released into the country tens of thousands of unvetted military-aged men from numerous nations that hate us. The point of banning private gun sales is likely to make it easier for this anti-American DOJ to keep track of who's got what weapons. Brandon Herrera is a firearms expert and someone who loves to poke at the ATF any chance he gets. Seven months ago, Florida Congressman Matt Gates invited him to testify at an ATF oversight hearing. He testified that the ATF has a history of changing definitions to justify illegal behavior. Listen.
0: The modern tactic that the ATF is exercising is expanding definitions of previously passed laws to include new things not covered in said laws. You see, the ATF is not a legislative body. It is not Congress and it cannot make new laws. But in changing or expanding definition of laws already passed by Congress, they're essentially legislating.
1: Joining me to discuss today's stories is executive senior editor of The New American, Steve Bont. Hey, Steve. Hey, Paul. So this is kind of the left's game. Not kind of. It is. All the time. You know, they call killing babies health care, child mutilation, gender affirming, ballot harvesting, accessing or enlarging voter access. And this is something they've been doing for a while. So what they're looking to do is redefine who's a licensed dealer. And it looks like what they're looking at is perhaps maybe... I'm speculating at this point. If you have more than, say, one or two guns or whatever, uh, then you're either a license. You have to register or whatever. The point is, they need to know where the guns are. This is this is purely to to end up with more control, is it not?
2: No, it's purely to prepare for their ultimate goal, which is the confiscation of all privately held firearms. Now, this is one of those so-called conspiracy theories that we on the right have been insisting upon for decades. Uh, to which scoffers on the bo- b- both the main so-called mainstream right and the left have replied, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, either, well, we're doing this, we, we don't want to confiscate all guns or, you know, the, the, the neocon types who don't own firearms themselves and see this all as just absurd far right wing hyperbole. Will say no, no, no. You don't. there's no malign intent here. That's just you know they're just, these are just honest mistakes. They're misguided and so forth. Okay. Well, they said the same thing about illegal immigration. Yeah. Okay? Right and now the- people are realizing okay, there really is malign intent. This yeah. really is a plan that has been around for a while. They're executing it with mm-hmm. a clear purpose. Yeah. Okay. The same is true of gun confiscation. I hate to call it gun control because that's really not what it is. The, the the ultimate Their goal is, you're role right. here is is confiscation of firearms and the reason is that they don't want an armed population it has now there are of course some people on on the left who who do think in in superficialities who say well it's about it's about making america safer it's about uh, preventing guns from getting into the wrong hands controlling crime all this kind of stuff all right but that's but but the people who are driving the agenda, again, as with the illegal immigration, they know perfectly well what, what, the, what, what they want to achieve. And I think now they're starting to realize that there's a very good likelihood that Trump will be reelected. And in his train, lots and lots of sympathetic people in Congress, they, they may experience a real setback this November. Mm-hmm. And so what they're trying to do is to gum up the works as much as possible and in as many sectors as possible to make it very very hard for the Trump to uh, to undo it and this includes things that are even constitutionally Ill- illegitimate because for example if they succeed in promulgating some sort of a you know unconstitutional uh, regulation it could take months or years to work its way through the court in the meantime the damage is done because they'll be out there happily registering everyone's guns and preventing private gun sales and all the rest of this and those records ultimately won't be destroyed they'll be maintained yeah so even if they they put it in place and it only stays in place for let's say a year or two which is often the case with these these anti-gun rules it still does permanent damage that can't be undone
1: well i mean the supreme court's gonna step in and save the day if this this passes through right and and
2: and and the supreme court (laughs) despite the three trump you know nominees that now sit there is proving to be a very weak and inconsistent read
1: yeah i mean obviously the largest indicator of that being the immigration or the texas absolutely well, you know what these things I think there's a lot of people who've this would prevent, for instance, for you to pass down a firearm to your children or Absolutely. whatnot. And it does I mean, I guess you didn't let me fit I, I I didn't finish my thought there. It's like, yeah, it's about control, but you're right. It's all to lead to confiscation. But what happens is when someone has multiple guns, as most gun owners do. They can pass it on to a legally to to someone who, as far as they know, is law abiding. So now that gun is in circulation, but they they can no they no longer know about it. So you know, say that person then passes on to a, and they can't stand that. They can't stand the fact that there are lots of firearms in circulation in the hands of law abiding people that they don't know where they are. Because like you said, if they want to start, if the ATF, FBI, whatever, they start want, want to start pounding doors down and getting the guns. They're they're gonna they're not gonna know who ever, who all has them because they've been passed around legally.
2: Well, and I'll do you one better than that. They actually could care less about the guns that are in the hands of criminals, because criminals, from the point of view of the, uh, the, the, or the what they used to call the lumpen proletariat, <laughs> serve a very useful function yeah. for would-be radical revolutionaries. They stir the pot. They perpetuate social unrest. They create a rolling. Rationale for more mm. and more government control. So, uh, you know, if you disarm the mafia and the gang, the gangbangers of of every description, all this sort of thing, then in effect, you know, you you you, cut, you undercut your own rationale. What they're interested in is disarming law-abiding people. Yes, those yes. are the Part- those are the people who provide that bulwark against. State tyranny. I mean, and those
1: are the people who are actually going to follow the law most likely, because the criminals aren't going to listen. Well, and if you
2: you know, and and if you go to any despotic country, you find, for example, in in China, uh, that the Communist Party is not the only party, is not the only power in town. They also rely crucially, particularly at the local level, for intimidation enforcement on the local organized crime. Okay, it's pervasive there. It's pervasive. You know, organized crime is found everywhere, Mm -hmm. but it's particularly conspicuous. In uh, despotic regime, because these these people end up being the shock troops, or a portion of the the shock troops relied upon for government. They also furnish the pelf and the perks, mm. the, the you know the illicit, all the bribe money and everything else that the, the, these people get. And so, so you don't want to denature organized crime. Yeah, you don't want to take the guns away from the from the real criminals. Yeah, because criminality is an essential component of the conditions that ultimately can lead to,
0: well, the, to the, revolution. Low lev-
1: the low level criminality provides a pretext for them to say that we need to make Americans safer because what they say is they, they say these criminals got their guns that at some point at the, uh, you know, at its original point was legally bought. I, one of the cases most made is that, Chicago criminals get their weapons from uh, gun store owners or gun stores in Indiana. So this is, they depend on the criminals to, to have a reason to disarm us. And they want to disarm MAGA, like you said. They want to disarm the people who threaten, who legitimately threaten their power, and that is American patriots. Uh, now, we didn't mention nullification, but for those who are watching, uh, you probably need to talk to your sheriff about nullification if something like this is passed. Next up. Pro-life activists are facing prison time for peacefully protesting the murder of unborn babies.
0: Hey America, how tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the new American magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription visit thenewamerican.com/radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com/radio25.
1: Hey listeners and readers, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think about the stories we report, the way we report them, and what you'd like to hear more and less of, and any other comments or questions related to the New American Daily. You can send your comments and questions too. Daily show at the dot com. That's daily show at the dot com. and during our Friday episodes, we'll read some of your comments. Again, send your questions to daily show at the dot com. Six pro-lifers in Tennessee are facing more than ten years behind bars and up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in fines. Earlier this week, they were convicted of federal felonies for a conspiracy against civil rights and for violating the freedom of access to clinic entrances or FACE Act. The case centers around their peaceful protest in March of 2021 at an abortion facility near Nashville, Tennessee. Some of the protesters sat on the floor in a hallway outside a health center door in Mount Juliet. Others stood nearby. They prayed and they sang hymns. The indictment against them, brought by a federal grand jury in Nashville, accused them of using, quote, force and physical obstruction to injure, intimidate, and interfere with employees of the clinic and a patient. Now, the good news is that the clinic is no longer performing abortions. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June of 2022, Tennessee protects unborn life at conception. Moreover, the state constitution specifies that there's no constitutionally protected right to abortion. The six convicted include four grandfathers, an emergency room physician, and a 60-year-old mom from Detroit, Michigan, who is currently incarcerated and waiting to be sentenced for similar behavior in Washington, D.C., Another of the six is 65-year-old Paul Vaughn, a small business owner and Christian father of 11 from Centerville, Tennessee. FBI agents raided his home last year. They banged on the door and they yelled, and when Vaughn answered the door, he was greeted by guns pointing at him. There's a second group of defendants. They are charged with violating the FACE Act, but they are not charged with conspiring to violate civil rights. They each face up to one year in prison and a $10,000 maximum fine. One of them, Evel Edel, is an 88-year-old grandmother who in her youth survived a communist concentration camp where she witnessed the genocide of her Yugoslavian people. After World War II, she immigrated to the U.S. where she witnessed another genocide in death camps known as abortion clinics. As for the six convicted, a news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office says that a sentencing hearing has been set for July 2nd. Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the DOJ Civil Rights Division praised Biden's Department of Justice for protecting the rights of murderers while U.S. Attorney Henry Leventis called the convictions a reminder that we cannot pick and choose which laws we follow. The case was overseen by a judge who was appointed in 1998 by then President Bill Clinton. He was the same president who signed the FACE Act in the law in 1994. So we're joined now by the new American senior editor, Rebecca Taro. Hi, Rebecca.
3: Hello, Paul. How are you?
1: Well, I'm good, all things considering. What more can you tell us about this case? This seems, um, it makes me angry, to say the least. I'm going to keep it PG.
3: There you go. And uh, can you say double standard? Because, I mean, look at all of uh, the—this is just like this has reminiscences of the the J6ers who are also languishing in prison right now. And, you know, they've gotten these horrendous sentences, and yet uh, BLM activists from the BLM riots after George Floyd and all of this— um, or walk free. Most of the cases have been yeah. dropped. I mean, they, yeah, see- they
1: assaulted people. They broke into stores. I mean, you're talking about, I guess the, one of the things against some of these people is they blocked the entrance. And for that, apparently they're going to do years in prison. What about the people like you, you were kind of, uh, insinuating there is they, they broke into shops, they stole, they assaulted people. Yeah. Double standard to say the least.
3: Right. There were billions of dollars in damage done during those George Floyd riots. There were uh, people killed. No one, was, no one was killed. No one was injured. No one was threatened. You saw that Ava Adel, who was in the wheelchair in that video for our, for our watchers, for the people watching this program. Um, she is in the, her 80s. <laughs> she was in a wheelchair. Uh, she was praying. They were si- quietly praying, quietly singing hymns. Uh, and even now, I think that the real irony here is that now in Tennessee, a little bit more than a year later after that, after that sit-in, uh, Tennessee now protects all unborn life from the moment of conception, no exceptions. Um, that clinic cannot provide abortion services anymore because of that law. Even the state constitution, which was amended in 2014, um, states that there is no constitutional right to abortion. And that was back in 2014. So that that the fact that this jury in a red state like Tennessee could be persuaded to ignore all moral logic <laughs> and yeah. convict these people and possibly, I mean, we are talking about 11-year sentences, $250,000 fines for each one of them a possibility of these. They won't be sentenced until July. Mm-hmm. But you are talking about ruining these people's lives. Are you you really think, you know the, the, what you just read there about you can't pick and choose what laws you're supposed to do? That's directly opposite of what we've we've always been taught from the time we were youngsters was, you know, if your parents tell you to do something wrong, you're supposed to disobey them. You're supposed to obey God before, man. And, you know, that's what we're taught as youngsters. And we have to know, too, that like this jury needed to say, well, yeah, okay, they violated that law, but that law violates God's law. The only structure on earth, it's a felony to obstruct the entrance to is an abortion clinic.
1: That's insane. That means
3: that is a targeted law. That is obviously Uh, The only people who will ever be arrested for violating that law are pro-lifers. That law is targeted to torture and prosecute pro-lifers for standing up for life.
1: Do you know if there's a, is there any chances or talk of some of these folks appealing? And if so, where would they appeal? Would it be the state Supreme Court? Uh, Yes.
3: yes. Attorneys for the St. Thomas More Society, I believe are, uh, are defending them and there are appeals planned, of course. Um, these six are not being held in prison while they're waiting sentencing. They are at home. They're on a kind of, uh, lockdown at home, so uh, to speak.
1: A, a pseudo house arrest.
3: Right. Exactly. That is not the case for the five who were convicted in Washington, D.C. They are not going to be sentenced till, I think, March. And they've been they're languishing in, in prison right now, waiting, sentencing. Um, these are people who these are elderly. people. Most of them, two of them are in their 20s, but ev- the other three are elderly. They're they're old people. <laughs> yeah. What do you do when you throw
1: people like that in prison? It's like, can you imagine, like, you know, 80 year old grandma, like wheeling right. through 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 gen pop like how does that work that just seems so ridiculous
3: right it is and it's happened in j6 as well we know that there are grandmothers in prison right now too for j6 for simply being there not doing anything not uh uh, yeah destroying any property not hurting anyone singing Mm -hmm. patriotic songs and waving banners and they're in prison and this is
1: obviously i would think this is another uh signal from this I think, illegitimate administration that when you get in the way, when you start having ideas about, uh, you know, the, the sanctity of life or any other ideas that fly in the face of what I think is a very diabolic agenda that this administration has, it's a signal that you will pay
3: exactly but for again i go back to juries need to know people people who are called a jury need to know that they will answer to god one day for the decisions that they make about these people's lives this is this is so horrific and and they obviously was that jury informed that the state constitution says there is no right to abortion uh, that that had already been in effect is that jury informed that hey you've got to have hmm. they ever watched 12 angry men <laughs> You know, I mean, it comes what, down to what,
1: something as simple as is, that. And let's talk about this Face Act. We got fifty, a few seconds left here. How would yeah. if it, what happens with it? Like, what is what would it take to get rid of that? Was since it was signed by uh, by Clinton? Was it was it after legislation, or would it be a simple le- uh, executive order that could get rid of it?
3: I think it is. It would be legislation that would have to be overturned and we need to overturn it. Definitely. This is very much an anti-family, anti-God, anti-woman, anti-life law.
1: Yeah. Anti-common sense. But like you said, anti-life. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. Uh, I know that you keep uh, track with this stuff. And so uh, keep it up and uh, let's see what happens with this. I'd really like to to know if there's an appeal, if, if the appeal goes through and how that turns out. Thank you. We'll follow up. You bet. After this, the future is here. Elon Musk says he successfully implanted a chip in a human brain.
4: Sophia paused before the door. It read, Department of Bi-Digital Convergence. Just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. She entered the chamber and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, welcome to the singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it, but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future, as illuminated by the experience of the past in Endgame, the new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset collectors' issue of the New American magazine, and get free shipping plus an additional twenty percent off both with code N twenty E N D two zero.
1: The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self Reliance: Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help. We cannot be free in this Polish collector's edition. We have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack and the importance of community among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at the forward slash shop Or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. A company Elon Musk founded has implanted elements of a computer into a human brain. This is according to Musk himself. This important development was achieved by Neuralink, a Musk-created company that has been working on not just implant technology, but also surgical and robotic technology that makes implanting a computer in a human head possible. This type of technology promises to integrate human mental cognition with machine compute technologies directly. This is exciting and terrifying. As far as what could go wrong, we refer to Star Trek, the next generation, which depicts the dark side of this dystopia with a Borg.
3: I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life, as it has been, is over. From this time forward, you will service us.
4: Is
1: futile. Star Trek's Borg injected nanobots into victims to assimilate foes into the Borg collective, where individuality, including individual freedom, is wiped out and thereby achieving a technological communist utopia. Today's brain computer interfaces are not nearly ready for Borg-level applications, but research in this area is underway, as the publisher of TNA, Dennis Barrent, points out in his book Endgame, which by the way is available at ShopJBS. On the bright side, Neuralink's progress suggests important breakthroughs that could significantly improve the quality of life for many with debilitating health problems. Neuralink says its mission is to create a generalized brain interface to restore autonomy to those with unmet medical needs. This technology, if successful, can help people suffering from disabilities like quadriplegia. It would enable people to control computers and other mobile devices just with their thoughts. Neuralink began looking for human subjects for trials according to a company blog post in September. On January 30th, Elon Musk announced in a post on X, his social media site, that a Neuralink implant tested on a human subject had detected a signal from the patient's brain. The first human received an implant from Neuralink yesterday and is recovering well. Initial results show promising neuron spike detection, Musk said in his post. There's no question that the advancements of Neuralink and similar technologies offer incredible promise for those suffering, debilitating injuries and other conditions. On the other hand, merging computers with the human mind opens up many possible disconcerting frontiers of transhumanism. One of the many critics who commented against the technology summarized the danger this way. This is extremely scary. How long before this is used for nefarious purposes against people who don't support the narrative, people who think for themselves, how long before Big Brother decides to reprogram people to their will? No, thank you. All right, Steve, I know you love talking about this stuff, but what I was thinking about is what about all the people who don't even have like brain, uh, brain chips in their head and, and they're already brainwashed?
2: <laughs> well, I have enough trouble with my dental implant. I'm not sure how an implanted chip in my brain would do it. I mean, but all kidding aside, I've always aspired to become a cyborg. It seems to me that that would that would that would greatly. I mean, I would be able to to, to, to smash through walls and all that cool stuff. But
1: no, the coolest thing you yeah. and I, I think, would both agree is you would be able to absorb a massive amount okay. of information. Well, well
2: no, I, I, I think I. You I, know, all, all, all kidding aside, I think that that the the concerns over this are overblown, and here's why. We could make the same argument about prosthetic limbs. We could say, well, okay. Uh, the danger of these more and more effective. You know, in the old days, people just you know had a wooden leg and or something like that, and that was the end of it. But today, you know, you have fully functional legs that allow people to to compete in you know foot races and do all the things that that, that people with normal biological legs can do and so forth. Well, why not you know you know get enable people to run hundred miles an hour and become superhumans and all? Well, that that doesn't happen because This technology is not autonomous. It is an extension of the person. And and, and the the, the concern that was brought up here is how long before they use these implants to program us. And the unspoken assumption is that the human brain is wetware that is susceptible to programming in the same way that human-designed software is. Now, it is true that we can be influenced by propaganda that you know opinion molders can mold opinions and set you know the the Overton window establishes the terms of the debate all these types of things but to program a human being to act against his or her will in the same way that one would program a computer or a, or a terminator i was watching one of the, mm. the, the the terminator movies late last night for want of literally anything else to do other <laughs> than sleep sleep and Classics. it makes for wonderful science fiction the, the borg i you know i remember watching Star Trek, the, the Next Generation. I watched the original Borg episode live when it first aired, and that's saying something for someone who has watched virtually no TV his entire life. I found it to be a, a, an interesting metaphor, but that's all it is. The reality of organic life and consciousness is something entirely apart from so-called artificial intelligence, mm. everything else. I mean, the, the evidence is there. I know there are people who think that, in effect, if you if you get enough parallel processing, a big enough supercomputer, you can create a simulacrum of human consciousness that yeah. is, for all intents and purposes, indistinguishable. I don't think that's true. I think there are certain things that computers do much better than we do, like compute trajectories of yeah. of, of, of aircraft and things like this. You know, they can they they, they can they can compute. Yeah. They, and computation is a, is a mechanistic or machine-based process. But thought and consciousness are not computational. And that isn't just me. Yeah. There are lots of people, a lot smarter than I am, who've studied this from many different approaches. My personal angle is linguistics because that's what my, my training is. And again, just looking at language, human cognition, language, thought are something completely apart. Mm. From machines, and so the idea that we can use machines to put people in the ultimate box to program them like automatons is fallacious. It's a powerful metaphor, you know, in something like the Matrix or whatever, you know, in science fiction. It says a lot about who we are that we that we that we regard such things as being possible in in a nightmare, you know, alternate world line. But it isn't possible.
1: I think a lot of the people who who advocate this kind of technology may even have a part in it. Would We may disagree. I think one of the most appealing things that would come out of this, and I've read a little bit about it, not a whole lot, but one of the things that Musk is pitching is that this kind of technology, if it gets to a certain point, can help with various mental disorders like schizophrenia, Absolutely. bipolar. And so I think a lot of people... if they would take that, uh, you know, because that is is pretty prevalent. You know, I don't have any of those, but I've seen people do, and it's a pretty bad thing to have. So well, it's yeah,
2: like, I mean, I mean, we we've seen incredible technology. We can now literally with with cochlear implants and allow people deaf from birth to hear for the first time. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, obviously people are no longer called cripples or even handicapped because technology is is and the verge of of allowing us to compensate for all this so why not mental issues and so yeah, forth yeah. I, I personally think the, you know the potential is 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 wonderful that said of course technology is always a two-edged sword we mm-hmm. talked about guns in an earlier segment <coughs> guns in the wrong hands certainly in government weapons can do do terrible things it but it ultimately depends on the intentionality of the person who wields the technology
1: yeah so we'll we'll keep a we'll keep an eye on this obviously our the publisher of this magazine he this is kind of his wheelhouse, so we th- I know that Dennis will be on top of it. After this, Governor Ron DeSantis has enacted a lot of good policies and has many good ideas over the years, but his recent push for a con-con is not one of them.
0: Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, self-reliance foundation of freedom in it the new American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people tips for self-reliant living and the importance of not giving up hope this unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders preparing for a worst-case scenario firearms financial self-reliance the importance of community and many other topics by expert writers Now, for a limited time, the New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today.
1: For more news and in-depth analysis from the New American magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top, and then on the drop-down, hit the subscribe button. Or, if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is pushing for the Florida legislature to pass several Article 5 convention resolutions. Joining me is John Birch Society researcher Peter Rykowski to tell us a bit more about that and what you can do to stop it. Hi, Peter. Hi, Paul. Tell us all about it. What, what, what's going on here? I think... Uh, I'm obviously somewhat of a fan of Ron DeSantis. I'm not sure a lot of folks here. I think it's pretty clear that over his over the years as governor, he's enacted a lot of good policies. He stood up to ESG. He stood up to woke madness. Uh, you know, there's there's several things that he's done, but he's always been suspect. And this seems like another reason to continue uh, his being suspect, right?
5: Yes, as he said, Ron DeSantis has done a lot of good things, but this is not one of them. So what he's called for is he wants the state legislator to apply to Congress for a constitutional convention under Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution uh, under a few different topics. Uh, He mentioned term limits, Mm -hmm. a balanced budget amendment, a line item veto for the U.S. president, and then an amendment saying that Congress can't pass any law that doesn't also apply to uh, themselves. So he wants the legislator to apply to Congress for conventions for all of those. Uh, so far, uh, resolutions have been introduced only for the term limits and balanced budget yeah. aspects, but apparently the other resolutions will soon be introduced. Mm. But he's pushing from the past. And this isn't new because Ron DeSantis has previously endorsed an Article 5 Constitutional Convention, but yeah. he's you know, intensifying this mm. push for that
1: and this this reflects the push by the organization who's kind of leading uh leading the charge for our uh, Concon that being convention of states they travel from legislature to legislature and these are the two amendments they push most right term limit and balanced budget
5: right yeah that and then also uh l- limiting the size and the scope of the federal government mm-hmm. uh, but all of these provisions um they sound good at the surface but at e- ethere- in reality, they're simply band aids that don't actually get to the actual issue. So, for example, with term limits, uh, what many people don't know is that our country actually had national term limits at the very beginning of our oh. country's independence. Under, under the Articles of, of Confederation, term limits uh, were the policy for uh, members of the Confederation Congress. Uh, but then at the 1787 Constitutional Convention, the Founding Fathers took them out. Of the U.S. Constitution, because they realized that they were very problematic. Because members of the Congress they were elected, and then they knew that they couldn't be reelected, so then they didn't listen to the will of the of their constituents. They Did just,
1: just turned into grifters,
5: right? It was basically a lame duck Congress wow. continually. Mm. So they decided instead of having term limits, we should have elections, regular elections where uh, voters can hold their elected officials accountable. And at that era, their voters were very educated. They knew their form of government. They were very um, you know, zealous about preserving their liberties. Yeah. So elections were able to hold Congress accountable. Uh, with the balanced budget amendment, uh, every basically every balanced budget amendment proposal has major loopholes. So, for example, um, almost all of them will say that Congress can um, pass an unbalanced budget a- an an unbalanced budget, if, uh, you know, 67% of Congress agrees. Well, right now, Congress always passes these big, massive omnibus bills with over 67% support. So um, that's a huge loophole. And then DeSantis, he also mentioned he wants this uh, balanced budget amendment to be modeled after some of the state balanced budget amendments that are currently in existence. So I I was curious which states have balanced budget amendments. So I found, among other states... Uh, Illinois has a balanced budget amendment. California, New York. I think Montana has one too. Right, right. In many of these states, they have yeah. their their fiscal situations are terrible. Yeah. So, well, I,
1: in Montana, I think they actually they they kind of hold to it. But it sounds like you're saying that's rare. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Illinois. That does yeah. not sound like a state that adheres to a to a balanced budget. Yeah. I mean, that's
5: Illinois a- has a hundred billion dollar debt problem right now. Wow. So. Yeah, and and they and they have that in their in their state constitution. <laughs> <laughs> so so these so these solutions they're they're basically my my point is they're they're band aids. If front if yeah, you know. But what Ford is the of, risk? Because it's like I think you made a great point, and this is something we always say.
1: I mean, even if, I mean, going back to term limits, like you said, it's like we have those. We have elections. If you really want to get rid of someone, you you vote them out and whatnot. But this comes with a risk that far overshadows any benefits that may actually come because we don't even believe like you made the case that those benefits would actually exist in the first place but the risks are greater aren't they
5: yeah there there're huge risks in article 5 convention it could even be so bad that they could throw out our constitution entirely put in a new constitution and and there's precedent for that at the 1787 convention that convention originally was specifically to revise the Articles of Confederation, mm. and the states that sent delegates, they explicitly said the purpose is simply to make amendments to the Articles of Confederation. Yeah. But then the delegates decided we're going to throw out the Articles of Confederation entirely, and not only that, but we're also going to change the method to how, you know, for ratifying the new Constitution. It was, it was originally unanimous; all states needed to agree. But then they said, no, nine out of the um, Thirteen states can uh, yeah. agree to it, and so that's the precedent that we have. And not only that, but you know, among many other examples, you know, convention of states. Some of Does these organizations, Congress? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It,
1: well, well, one of the points that, uh, for instance, the COS ad, uh, people and and their advocates make is that you need was it three fourths or you need a majority of states to approve anything, and they're saying there's no way that'll happen considering all the red states, but that's not necessarily the case because it's like we have, for instance, a Republican-dominated House, and they can't even stop this runaway spending train. They can't even stop the invasion. They can't even say, no more money until the border is closed.
5: Right, and not not only that, but if we look at you know U.S. history, uh, the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, which imposed income taxes, yeah. uh, which imposed the direct election of senators, those easily passed in yeah. the... You know, Republican or conservative-dominated legislators. Yeah. So there's, and many even today, even in the most conservative state legislators or yeah. conservative states, the state legislators are dominated by these rhinos and moderates and even liberal Republicans. So mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that a convention will turn out well. There's a huge risk that it will yeah. uh, go wrong. What do we, What do we got
1: going here? What is the research department? I know we have some legislative alerts. Some ways that people can can kind of do something right away, huh?
5: Yeah, we have alerts whenever a uh, resolution to apply for a convention is, is introduced. We inter- we uh, put out an alert for each individual state. So on JBS.org forward slash alerts, we have alerts for every state. And we encourage people to uh, go there because they give a very easy way of contacting the yeah. legislators, getting in touch with them and telling them, uh, you know, please, uh, you know, don't don't allow this to pass. Protect our constitution. Enforce it. Don't try to change it. Yeah,
1: and we've been highly successful. I mean, the birchers have been probably the largest force, the most not the largest, but the most effective force at stopping this. Every it seems like most times when we show up or our our, our members show up in legislatures and they make compelling arguments, which they are compelling. The legislature say, no, we don't want this. And one of the things that I think they flat out lie, the COS people, is they say it's like, well, the reason this isn't getting by is because leftist states are in the way. Well, I mean, that wasn't the case in South Dakota. It wasn't the case in Montana. It wasn't the case in Utah. It wasn't the case in Iowa. Those are really red legislatures. So when legislators hear the logic that Peter just expressed here, they tend to agree that this is not worth the risk.
5: Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Peter. Thank you for that confirmation. Anyway, and thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And remember to share the show with others. Enjoy the rest of your day.